Disclaimer, this episode has sexual content and subject matter, so if there's any kids around or anything, just, I don't want you guys to be too alarmed, so just be mindful and enjoy the show. Thank you. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I'm very excited to be back today. This episode is inspired... um, from my good friend, sex coach Megan. All right, so I did an excellent episode with um, Megan, um, and Megan is a, a, a mental health specialist and also a sex coach. You can find Megan on Instagram at sex coach Megan. That's M E A G A N. Uh, Megan is really awesome. We just did a a really profound interview and. You know, she helped me to discover a lot of things about myself that I didn't really acknowledge or look into. So today's episode is about sexual health and it's very important um, to the men and women out there that's in the recovery community to hear this. This episode is for anyone that may be sober curious, anyone that's still in active addiction, right? And you're, you're not quite ready to give up drinking or doing drugs um, this episode is for you. Now, there's a big, 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 big myth surrounding alcohol and drugs in relationship to sex. And I'm going to speak plainly. People feel like alcohol and drugs improves the sexual performance or experience, right? And I know from a recovery perspective, this is really deep. From a recovery perspective, this may be the subconscious, the last subconscious thing that an addict may hold on to in relationship to giving up alcohol or drugs. Because of this negative relationship with their drug of choice and sex, um, and through misinformation, sometimes the addict may feel like, Well, how am I going to enjoy sex if I'm not drinking or doing drugs? How am I going to be more interesting? Okay, so sometimes people may be like, and and, and let me put it in perspective. I'm going to be real with you guys. All right. I'm not talking down. First thing I want to say is this is a very sensitive subject and I'm not talking down or at anyone. Let's bring it back a little bit to my personal experience. I remember on many occasions before I found success in my sobriety that I was holding on to the notion that I would be a better I would have a better sexual performance if I was intoxicated or drinking right and I remember one time asking one of my brothers I was like damn because one of my brothers was sober and um I was saying but what about sex like and for me the question was so bizarre to him because he was like 
give it six months and your sex drive is going to sh- 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 kick into high gear, man. Like, give it six months. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, wow. But it still didn't hit me. The gravity of what he was saying still didn't register because my subconscious programming and programming from media um, television and, um, popular belief and misinformation led me to think that, you know, in order to be effective and, uh, with sex or you have to be high or you have to get high, we will make the sexual experience better. Alcohol will make the sexual experience better. A lot of my friends claim cocaine will make the sexual experience better or make them last longer. Right. And these are the myths that we held on to. But what starts to happen was, um, for me, I could look back at retrospect and compare how I was eight years ago, right, prior to my recovery to now, and I could say there's a lot of differences, right? One, it's just not about the act itself. The main thing here is that sexuality is a sacred thing. Connecting with a man or woman um, is a beautiful thing and it's the precursor to creation and procreation and it's just a very sacred act and that takes a lot of attention it takes all of your senses and it takes your uh, um, attention to detail and being present so important and a lot of times in recovery i mean and in our addictions you know, it's too many days where we'll have sex and then we wake up the next day and we don't even remember what we happened, what happened or if we enjoyed it. We don't even remember to act most of the time, you know, and something so beautiful should be savored and it should be, you know, you should be able to remember it. You should be able, you deserve to enjoy it, right? So, um... The next thing was for me, um, you know, I just turned 40 years old and I'm performing better now than I was, you know, years ago at 32, at 31, at 30, at 29, at 28, at 27. And uh, it's not because I'm like some superhero in a sack or nothing. It's more or less because I'm healthy. Right. And, um, you know, my hormones are not imbalanced anymore and my testosterone levels are healthy and I'm able to be more present. So from a mental health perspective, I'm dealing with less anxiety, stress and depression. So when we look at alcohol on the surface, ladies and gentlemen, we know that alcohol in itself is a depressant. And then we know Depression and stress and anxiety leads to lower libido, lower sex drive, and a drop in testosterone for both men and women. So the thing is, you know, if you're drinking something that depresses your nervous system, although it may lower inhibitions and make you more prone to risky activities and spontaneous activities, that's the mental aspect of the addiction. But you take a hit physically. So... Today, I want to talk about the physical aspects because not just that we're pro-recovery and um, it's more or less that there's many people experiencing, 
you know, trouble in their relationships, trouble in their marriages, one, because they can't perform, especially my fellas out there. A lot of you guys out there, you know, the the, the decline in sexual performance, um, you're starting to see, we're starting to see effects in the 20s now, in the 30s. Um, what we supposed to was supposed to have kicked in in the mid fifties and sixties. We're starting to see testosterone levels in young men um, just drop to an all time low, and one of those reasons we know is due to xenoestrogens and stuff like that and estrogen dominance. But it's mainly because of the effects of drugs um, and alcohol and sugar. And alcohol breaks down the sugar, and sugar causes a lot of these problems. So that's why I want to talk to you guys today. I want to really kick it to you. Let's talk about sex, baby, because it's really important. And, you know, so I have some stats here. One, alcohol is the leading cause of sexual dysfunction in men. Okay, the leading cause It's not on number two. Number one is the leading cause of sexual dysfunction in men. Two, episodic erectile failure is fairly routine and men who have three or more drinks, right? So you're talking about episodic failure is fairly routine. So you're talking about out of a month, you could have three or four encounters where you have some form of erectile dysfunction. So let's stop there for a minute. Is this fair? Is this fair that special interest groups make you think alcohol, you need alcohol, alcohol is associated with romance and all of this stuff? But no one tells you the dirty writing on the wall that, you know, the more you drink this stuff, the worse your sexual experience is going to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to live in a world or live a life where year after year I'm drinking to connect. And this same thing that I'm drinking is causing me not to perform at my best. I think our mates deserve that. You know, and I think we deserve that to have to get the most out of our sexual experience. But no one tells us this. When you go into that liquor store, there's no disclaimer. They got the bullshit surgeon general shit. They don't. I guarantee you, if you if it was on every bottle of alcohol may cause sexual dysfunction and erectile dysfunction in men and sexual dysfunction in women, lower arousal and decreased desire. I guarantee you the liquor store would be empty. You know what I'm saying? We'll find other ways. Um, another thing, marijuana. For everyone out there who's big on marijuana, especially men and women, marijuana lowers testosterone levels. So the more you smoke, the more estrogen dominant you're going to be. That's problematic for women because that's how you get cancer, breast cancer and stuff like that. And an estrogen dominant environment is not good. And for men, come on. You're not smoking so you could get man boobs and visceral fat and just, you know, drop your testosterone levels. I'm sure no one gave you the memo, but that's what alcohol does and that's what drugs does. Right. And that's not to mention cocaine, heroin and all the other stuff. I mean, come on. We are better off without these things, but there's a lot of misinformation. And that's why I'm doing this episode. Next. 61% of patients who are alcohol dependent reported sexual dysfunction and reduced sexual desire. So these are um, 61% of inpatients. All right. Next, 97 male inpatients for alcohol treatment and rehab 
Um, out of 97 male patients, 71% suffered sexual dysfunction 12 months prior to treatment. So you could be really suffering with sexual um, dysfunction um, for years and really wouldn't really be able to put your finger on it, but it's probably the alcohol. 90% chance is the alcohol. All right? Premature ejaculation, um, 36 out of 90 seven subjects out of which 27 had complaints of ejaculating within one minute of intercourse so again here's the issue um i'm going out taking my date out i'm going out to have some drinks and i'm i'm planning on going back home and having a meaningful sexual experience and then i ejaculate in under 60 seconds what that does to the men um, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally um, is devastating. And then it, it becomes this elephant in the room now, right? And then so now you're dealing with this um, sexual dysfunction and privacy. And you start thinking to yourself in privacy, oh, maybe it was a one-time thing. Um, maybe. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, all men, including myself, we have days where we just, you know, thing, you know, I... We just don't last as long as we're humans, but we're talking about a consistent thing and we're talking about something that happens extremely against your will. Like you really want to perform. You really want to show the person that you love pleasure. You really want to be present, but you cannot because the alcohol is doing the number on your testosterone and your hormones. And for women also, you know, your ability to achieve orgasm is decreased. Your ability to reach a, a healthy state of arousal, arousal decreases. Your ability to enjoy orgasm decreases. And your ability and your desire to have sexual, in, um, um, sexual intercourse decreases. In addition to that, it could play on the mental health and depressive strings, and that could also create another compounded issue with your sexual arousal. So there's connections here. And if we just left the alcohol and drugs alone and, and through diet, nutrition, relaxation, meditation, and just connecting in time, you know, you could reverse a lot of these symptoms. But again, we never got the memo. We don't get the memo. All right. Bacardi doesn't give us the memo. Hennessy doesn't give us the memo. We don't. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is, this is a subject that we got to break the stigma on, uh, too. Like we're breaking the stigma on mental health. We're breaking the stigma on mental illness. We're breaking the stigma on addiction. Now we're breaking the stigma on sexual health and sexual dysfunction. And we just want to really be honest. And, you know, it's beautiful for me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to keep it 100 percent tall with you guys. What's beautiful for me is that I think we can save thousands of people who just don't want to let go of their drug of choice because they associate it with some positive sexual outcome. But we know it's not necessarily the drugs of choice that's creating any positive outcome. It probably doesn't even exist. Right. Let's keep going. The next thing I want to talk about is hypersexuality and mania. So in addiction 
This used to happen to me a lot. So when I used to get really, really drunk, right, in my mind, I would be fixated on having sex. I, I want to have sex. I want to have sex. I would be always in this big, jubilant mood. So remember, when we have um, manic highs, meaning that you're really in a good mood, you're really exuberant, and you're excited, that's usually followed by depressive lows with bipolar people. So with hypersexuality, that plays on mania, which is the manic part, that high, right? So you will always, you know, I would tend to want to just always think about having sex and always want to do it. Now, here's the problem. That's one of the things that plays into the myth that sex is better with through, a, through um, drugs and alcohol. Because in your mind, the mental game is like... You know, this hypersexuality where you really want to get it in. But here lies the problem. Your The mental part doesn't catch up. The body can't catch up with the mental part. So there's a lot of guys out there when women say, oh, you gave me a hype two minutes, right? You were super excited about it, but then you gave me a hype two minutes. It's because in the mind... You know, like Will Smith said in Hitch, um, I seen that playing differently in my mind, right? I seen that going differently. It's because sometimes the body can't keep up with the mind. So although you want to have this sex and you want to be this um, animal in the sack, you, you tend to have this unceasing itch that you want to scratch, but you're never quite fulfilled because the mind is saying one thing, but the body can't keep up. So you have this unfulfilled sexual experience, but then you still want to have more sex, right? So it's the worst thing in the world, wanting to have sex all day, but, you know, not being able to achieve orgasm or ejaculating within under a minute. You see how that works? It's really disturbing. And this is one of those issues. So sometimes I would say if we if we could put that in in its perspective, like, OK, I might feel one way when I drink. But is my body saying the same thing as my mind? And am I connected? Is there a connection between my thoughts and my actions? Like, you know, um, and that's a real problem. OK, alcohol cause mania, which lead to hypersexuality, but also lower testosterone, increased performance anxiety at the same time. So for men, this is this is a really troublesome thing, especially when you're in addiction. The hypersexuality triggers um, your it, it's a, if you're affected with your lower testosterone levels. This decreases your sex drive and libido. And then you have this performance anxiety you don't want to talk about to your mate because, you know, wait a minute, I don't feel like my body is working with me. Right. So now you're in this intimate situation where you quite can't take it where you want to take it, but you don't know how to say it. So you go for it. And then it's an epic failure. Right. So. You see my my gentlemen out there, do can you guys see how this is like terrible? <laughs> how this is like something you totally didn't sign up for when you went and got that bottle or you order all of those extra drinks at the bar. You didn't foresee that this was a situation. Now, granted, when you're younger, like in your teens and twenties, you have higher testosterone levels, so this doesn't this doesn't affect you as much, but it still can. Because I remember my when I was younger, this still would affect me. It'll be days where I would be so drunk that things wasn't just working the way I wanted it to work. And I'm being honest. I mean, this is a human a, a human.
human thing, right? But then there'll be other days where I would perform better. But so what we want is consistency in our romantic and our sexual life. We want sexual health and consistency, right? We don't want to be, you know, uh, you know, this month was okay, but last next month we didn't do it. And especially for many people out there who's having sex once a month or twice a month because one of the either the the the, the woman or the man in the relationship has low sexual desire, low libido and low sex drive. And the other person probably has um, inability to achieve orgasm or inability to achieve a healthy erection. And you see how we both, the men and women both could struggle in these areas. All right. Alcohol robs people of real meaningful experiences. Okay. And it's also the guilt associated with it. You know, sometimes having sex in a drunken or high state and you wake up the next day and you can't remember anything. And this hypersexuality through the addiction has you feeling real guilty. Like, I'm not sure what would happen yesterday. I'm not sure if it was meaningful. I'm even not sure if it was loving. It's like, especially for my ladies out there, I know you guys could relate. You know, sometimes you don't know if you've taken advantage of or if the situation was fun. So my thing is when we encourage being sober minded and we say sober is dope, it's because, look, we want to be able to recollect our sexual experiences. We want to be able to enjoy them and we want it to be meaningful. All right. Um, Alcohol. All right. Another thing I want to talk about is, look, um, this, you know, this alcohol creates lack of pleasure, lack of energy, fatigue, low self-esteem, doubt. Where you doubt yourself, especially in our men, you doubt yourself if you're going to be able to perform well, loss of libido or loss of erection strength. All right. So, again, we know also that since alcohol is a depressant and it depressed the nervous system, right, um, our senses become down regulated. So this is true for both men and women. So when you go when you have a down regulation of your senses, you know, you really can't enjoy the nuances of the sexual act. And then, you know, there's a numbness and like a, a feeling that you're not fully there. Um, and, you know, for men, there's a, there's extreme imbalance in hormones. So the testosterone levels drop to a point where you're kicking up more, uh, just as much estrogen as a woman. And when you create this estrogen dominant environment, it's totally bad. So this is where you have low sex drive, low beetle, bare belly, man boobs, a pissed off attitude, and you're aggressive all day. So for all of us who had, who are children of adult alcoholics, uh, for all of us who experience alcoholism in a home, and for everyone who lived with another alcoholic, especially a man, Right. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not picking on the men and women. We're all going to take our social, accept our associated blame and we're going to be accountable and take responsibility for the reality in relationship to sexuality and alcohol. I'm not picking on anyone. 
But you know that old archetype where you see the aggressive husband or aggressive alcoholic man in the household tearing up the house, beating on the women, um, aggressive and aggressive and aggressive. And then they say, oh, it was my dad who was aggressive to my mom. So now I'm an aggressor. So that's epigenetic. So the dad passed on this, the, these recessive genes and these alcohol genes to the son. Now the son is aggressive and he's beating up the woman. But a lot of that comes from sexual frustration because the alcohol is affecting the testosterone levels and now the man can't perform so now it's like the woman's fault and now she's the problem and then he wants to smack her up and down and beat her up and then d disrupt the peace in the household instead of addressing the, the elephant in the room quitting the drugs or alcohol choice getting healthy again and restoring themselves back to health you see it's easier just to just find a scapegoat oh you know it's your fault right and then this works for women also. If a woman is in addiction and she has erratic sexual behavior and she can't achieve orgasm or be in tune with her body, she blames the man now instead of blaming the drug of choice, right? So now it's you can't perform, you suck, and this and that. And that's why society puts such an emphasis on, you know, sexual proudness and stuff like that because that's what we expect from one another but that's not necessarily what's happening so drugs create a lot of problems so let's talk about sex baby let's keep going um so there's a signal in the brain so for all my gentlemen out there i want you to pay attention close your eyes and imagine this there's a signal in your brain right that sends, and this signal is called a beta opioid endorphins. They're beta opioid endorphins. These signals go from your brain and it relaxes the muscles inside of your penis. And that relaxation is what creates the strength of your erection. Alcohol directly interferes with beta opioid endorphins and the signals. So what happens is you can't necessarily, those muscles don't relax and that's where you have problems with your erection. Now, I guarantee you if somebody handed you a bottle and said, here's a bottle that interferes with the signals and the hormones that go from your brain to your junk and this is going to make it so you don't perform well tonight, you're not going to drink the bottle. It's no possible way. So this is the problem with alcohol. I this is just the sexual issues. I could mention a hundred other issues: the inflammation, um, um, the hit to your liver, the hit to your adrenal system, um, the mental health components. It, it, the list goes on. So alcohol is a dirty, dirty, dirty toxin. The next thing I want to say is. We have to look at both the psychological effects of why we um, think alcohol or drugs benefit us, right? So the psychological effects is, again, lower inhibition, hypersexual, mania, excitements, and, um, you know, the, abil the ability to unwind. The physical effects is less ability to perform, lethargy, um, and... Um, just not being able to satisfy your partner, right? So your mind, the the mind, the party, and that mental aspect is what we're holding on to, but we're not reaping the physical benefits of the act when we're under the influence. If that makes any sense, ladies and gentlemen, this is a lot, so you might have to listen to this episode a few times, and then I'm going to start getting some experts on to talk more about this, all right? So alcohol obviously kills the sex drive. It creates estrogen dominance and increases aromatization. Now, I always been fascinated with the concept of aromatization, so let me give you guys a quick 
crash course. Men and women, this is very important. Because of the times we live in where we are exposed to a lot of pollutants, toxins, GMOs and bad foods and plastics and, you know, GMOs like soy and tofu and all this soy and stuff like that. We have in our systems a lot of what they call xenoestrogens, right? So write this down as xenoestrogens. So we already have natural levels of estrogen in our body, but with the increased xenoestrogens, what happens is we create an, an environment in our body that's considered estrogen dominant. Now, estrogen dominance is what creates problems in both men and women, and it also creates symptoms or cancer-related symptoms or cancer, right? So with, doctors like to look at estrogen levels in women to make sure that they're not um, predisposed to breast cancer or certain types of colon cancers and stuff like that. Not colon cancers, I'm sorry. Breast cancer and uterine cancers and stuff like that. For men also, um, prostate cancers and things like that, we have to watch out for due to estrogen dominance. So one of the main ways that estrogen dominates our system is through the process of aromatization. So what that means is that everyone has a certain level of testosterone in their body, right? So a certain level of the hormone testosterone. But through the process of aromatization is when the testosterone is taken from your system and converted back into estrogen. Now... I literally, literally, literally could keep it real with you guys that I don't want anything in my body converting my testosterone back into estrogen, right? That's a process that's not healthy because what happens is men start displaying characteristics of women and women start developing um, precursors that's toxic for like breast cancer and things like that. Now, alcohol is one of the main things that creates estrogen dominance. So is sugar. And we know alcohol breaks down as sugar and alcohol is a toxin. So we do not want to be taking alcohol is no health benefits. The next thing I want to say while we're on the myths of alcohol, there's no health benefits with red wine. Knock it off. Also, in case you guys didn't know, bear lowers the testosterone dramatically and it's another it's, it's a disgusting toxin because of the hops the hops in beer are full of test um um bad compounds and pesticides and stuff like that so there's no health benefits of beer beer decreases testosterone and and alcohol itself creates an estrogen dominant environment for my men out there because alcohol is a toxin, it reduces something called NAD+. So go on Google and type in NAD+. And, and, and once that happens, that lowers your testosterone. Also creating man boobs and belly fat, right? So drinking to have better sex is a myth. And that's what we're talking about today. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, the glycogen that's stored in the liver creates something. Well, alcohol is stored in the liver as glycogen, right? And too much glycogen creates something called metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndrome, in a nutshell, is as if you walk in a doctor's office, you have high blood pressure, hypertension, high blood sugar, pre-diabetic or diabetic, 
and a compromised heart. So you're walking around as a triple threat and at any minute you can have a heart attack and die because your body mass index is too high and you're overweight. So you're probably in an obese state or you have a lot of visceral fat in unhealthy areas and it's a bad deal all around. So when I wrap this up, I'm going to give us some tips on how we can reverse this. So it's not totally bad news. This is actually good news. I come bearing the good news today on the Sober's Dope podcast. Trust me. If I heard this shit 10 years ago, my life would have been changed. I would have been like, yo, this is Pop Buchanan from Sober's Dope. I've been sober for 10 years, but I got eight years on this. I wish I heard this when I was 15. I would have never started drinking. Trust me. Because I was a little lover boy, and last thing I wanted was to be putting myself in a position where I couldn't perform well. All right? The next thing I want to say, I want to talk about emotions real quickly. Alcohol puts people in, instead of putting you in a relaxed state, it puts you in a depressed state. And when you're in a depressed state, you tend to kick up more fear hormones and anxiety and stuff like that, right? Fear sends out cortisol and all these, you know, um, cortisol is like a, is an important hormone, but you don't want to be pumping cortisol into your blood system all day, every day, right? Because when you do that, you take your body out of, uh, fight uh, a rest and digest state and you put it back into a fight and flight place. And we talk about this through the parasympathetic system and how the parasympathetic system is important, right? So we want to stay mainly in a rest and digest state. We don't always want to be kicking up stress hormones. And that's exactly what alcohol does. And that's bad because stress hormones and depression and all of these things create imbalances which affects your sex drive. It goes right back. There's no way around it. I try to find a way around it. Oh, what if I have just a couple of drinks? Or what? If, there's no way around it. Alcohol is toxic, it, especially in regards to our sex life, right? All right. For most of us who drink, what comes next? Cigarettes, right? Or smoking. You have to smoke something in combination with the alcohol. So that tends to be a double whammy. So now you're depressing your nervous system compromising your lungs and, you know, uh, um, reducing the oxygen that goes to your brain. So your available oxygen levels drop and your CO2 levels while you're you're creating an estrogen dominant environment, your testosterone is declining and you have depressive symptoms and you are borderlining with mental health issues all of that's happening, just having a good time out with, on a night out in the town, drinking and smoking cigarettes. So have mercy on your nervous system. Have mercy on your lungs. Have mercy on your testosterone. Have mercy on your libido and have mercy on your sex drive and your overall health. That's what's at play. So if you're one of those rare people like me who used to say, I really think I should stop drinking, but I don't know if I'm really ready to finish partying then I was misguided because the party starts when you give up the alcohol and the drugs and then your sex life improves, right? And you're more capable of having a more meaningful sexual experience. Not to mention, at bare minimum, remembering the act itself, okay? I could recall 80% of all the sexual encounters I had with my beautiful girlfriend for the last eight years. Like, I could remember, right? 
it's no more waking up and like, oh, I think I had fun yesterday, but I barely could remember, right? That's convenient for guys who have, um, you know, that's always going to be convenient if you're not performing well. Like, oh, it's convenient. I forgot that I didn't perform well. And, I, you know, I was. <laughs> but in reality, what we want is we want to be stallions and women. We want to be aroused and you want to reach your potential orgasm and you want to be happy. And you know what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? Let's knock it off. We're all adults. We're, we're heavyweights. We're, we're the section of society that were the loudest. The, the 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 most boisterous, the 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 crazy ones, the wild childs, the wildlings, man. So because we was in recovery, we're not gonna pretend to be a bunch of saints and nuns and priests. We was, you know, we legend, right? You know, you in recovery, you been through it all. You been through the the dirt and back, through the moon and back. So I'm going to shoot straight with y'all. The party's up. Now it's time to get healthy. And we're going to take our sexual experience to the next level, right? We're not going to just stay complacent. So um, that's important. And that's it in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I just wanted to really connect with you guys and let you know that, you know, here at the Sober is Dope podcast, we, we really, we are really invested in changing the narrative right so when I say sober is dope now I want you guys to think wait a minute you know what if I give up drugs or alcohol drugs and alcohol you know and smoking cigarettes and stuff like that I had the potential of healing my brain healing my immune system healing my gut microbiome, creating a better genetic environment for my offsprings, rebuilding my health, getting to a place where I'm mentally healthy, being able to have better familiar relationships with my family and friends, being able to be closer with the one that I love. I'm able to have more meaningful sex, okay? Because I'm not just talking about the act and the the physical part. I'm talking about more meaningful sex where, you know, you're not just where you're actually present. Right. Um, this is extremely important. OK, so when you think sober is dope, you think, OK, my mind, I could get my mind right. I could build a business. I could make money. I could rebuild my dreams. I could fix problems with my family. I'm no longer a slave to this drug of choice because now I have the knowledge and power to overcome it. I could be a better pillar to society. I could be more connected to God or higher power. I could be less stressed. I may be able to get off my medication. I could reverse my pre-diabetes. I could reverse diabetes. I could reduce my blood pressure. I could become a triathlon. I could just go back to school and get a PhD. I could focus. I could be present. Where's the downside? Now that we know scientifically sex improves, where's the downside? There's none. The only downside is that we're battling against special interest groups that support big corporations 
who manufacture these alcohol and drugs, right? Whether it's opiates. I'm not picking on the opiate people. I know if you're in pain management, that's a different subject. I'm not doing that. I'm talking about the bigger issues. Um, and I'm talking about alcohol mainly. How, you know, you have to compete with Bacardi commercials and Hennessy all day when someone's trying to get sober. And they're showing pictures of people having a beautiful time. But they don't show you the reality. You know, the people that's um, sleeping in their own vomit in the club at the end of the night. The poor guy who goes home with the girl and can't get it up after he spent a thousand dollars on drinks and he's with his wife and his girlfriend and he wants to be a good performer. The poor lady who wants to have a meaningful sexual experience but can't even remember what happened. They don't tell you the dark side. They don't, they're not at the divorce table when a man and woman who once loved each other has to part ways because they don't have a sexual connection no more because one of them is on drugs or alcohol and they can't have a meaningful sexual relationship. People don't tell you the dark side of this. That's what gets me frustrated. And that's why I'm talking about this. So when I say sober is dope, I mean it. I'm not I'm not a gimmick. I'm not asking nobody for money. I'm not doing none of that. I'm saying it's a symbol of how we could restore ourselves to the condition that God wanted us to be in. We have so many beautiful neurotransmitter hormones and our brains are psychoactive and they're like mini computers. You have enough inside of you to be happy, to be creative and to be interesting without the assistance of some toxins and some synthetic drugs. And marijuana is not all of that. Unless you have glaucoma, save it. All right. Because marijuana creates a... um, uh, um, estrogen dominance and it lowers testosterone so if you're a guy you don't want to be part of that right and if you're a woman you don't want to be part of that right unless it's medicinal and taken prescribed by a doctor save it i don't want to hear it ladies and gentlemen i love you all now for my ladies out there i just want to say something to you because i know this conversation well it hasn't been a conversation i know my talk and my lecture has been leaning on the side of men. I just want to read you ladies out there something, right? Something to keep in mind. This is from PubMed, right? And it goes like this. Sexual dysfunction in women with alcohol dependence syndrome. The objective is to study the prevalence, typology, and specified demographic and clinical correlates of sexual dysfunction among female patients seeking treatment for alcohol dependence syndrome. Here's the results without me going through the whole article. In women with alcohol dependence syndrome, 55% had one or more sexual dysfunction, most common being low sexual desire, followed by inability to reach orgasm and dissatisfaction with orgasm. Okay. Conclusion. Sexual dysfunction rates are higher among patients with alcohol dependence syndrome compared to others and all domains of sexual functioning are affected. Clinicians need to routinely assess sexual function and plan for gender sensitive multidimensional treatment. So ladies out there, we're not going to just pick on the guys. Okay. Right. Right. So when you're with your sexual desire decreases, right, and sexual function is compromised and your arousal is compromised and you're less 
open to connecting with your partner, whether it's another female and men, whether it's a male, right? This goes for um, all sexual types and orientations and um, everything, everyone in my LGBTQ community and all of that. This is this is about humanity, whether you man on man, women on women, women, man, man, women, whatever, if you fluid or all of that. Our sexual health is extremely affected by alcohol and drugs. And for my women out there, I want you to know that it goes hand in hand, right? So you can have a more meaningful experience and a more um, healthy relationship with alcohol without, with not with alcohol, with your sexual, with your sexuality without drugs and alcohol, right? Alcohol is the enemy. Drugs is the enemy. Why? Because it deprives you from your own vitality and virility and ability to achieve satisfaction and fulfillment in your sexual encounters. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, last thing I want to say, a few tips. We just did an episode called, um, is about nutrition for recovering alcoholics. Um, and we did an episode on how to naturally lower cortisol levels. I want you to know if you give up the alcohol and you give up the drugs, or if you're in recovery, men, you could rebuild your testosterone just by getting on a high fat, healthy plant-based diet. You make sure you get, if you're into, you want to get some grass fed beef or some grass fed, um, um, have some grass fed butter. We know that cholesterol leads, um, is the precursor for, um, testosterone. So having healthy cholesterol levels and a healthy diet would allow of vital nutrients um, can help you restore that. A lot of healthy nuts, um, a lot of selenium, a lot of healthy vitamins. Make sure you get a lot of magnesium, a lot of D3, especially zinc. For men, you might have a zinc deficiency. Zinc is insurmountable to the importance of um, sexual health in men. Zinc, zinc, zinc. And women, it's the same thing for your immunity, right? So practicing some form of stress reduction, meditation, um, adequate exercise. Walking every day is doable and it's healthier than actually running and stressing your body. The goal is, is to get into a low stress environment, walk a lot, relax a lot eat healthy, um, and, and just don't rely on alcohol and drugs for anything because it's an empty promise. So today we, we shattered the myth that intoxicated sex is better. That's a lie. There's no health benefits to alcohol. That's a lie. Um, and you're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I love you all. This is your host, Pop Buchanan. I catch you on the other side. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 